Deuteronomy chapter 11, and in the final words of verse 21, we have mention of days of heaven upon the earth. Days of heaven upon the earth. The people of Israel were taught by Moses that the secret of their strength and well-being in the promised land hinged on their complete full obedience to the Lord. If they would only keep all the commandments, then longevity would follow. They would prolong their days in the land of Canaan. They would abide there from generation to generation. Their days would be as the days of heaven upon the earth. Days of heaven upon the earth. What a wonderful thought. Not only as to length of time, but also as to usefulness, purpose, fulfillment, and happiness. We often think of heaven. We desire to be there. But this text holds out the possibility of the people of God having days of heaven on this earth. Doesn't the hymn go, The men of grace have found glory begun below, celestial fruit on earthly ground from faith and hope may grow. It's said of one of the Puritans that heaven was in him before he was in it. It is true the saints may enjoy two heavens when they spend their days on this earth as the glorified spend them in Emmanuel's land. So may the characteristics of the days of heaven be woven into the web of our time, our pilgrimage here below. And if this is so, then there will be a song. For this is one of the characteristics of heaven. Heaven is the place of rapture, of joyful song. We discover in Revelation Chapter 15 and the third verse, we discover that the glorified sing around the throne. The second angel, John tells us, poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Revelation chapter 15. Sorry, I read the wrong verse. And the third verse says, They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. And we can see here that their song has all to do with the slain Lamb. They are blessing God that Christ died for their sins 
and for the plenteous redemption that they have found in his precious blood. Oh, they sing as they have never sung before, because in heaven, as the catechism reveals, the souls of believers are made perfect in holiness. In heaven, believers are free from earthly taint and dross. They are as the pure gold that has passed through the fire. So there are no jarring notes, the heart being out of tune because of sin. Oh, how sin mars our song here on earth. We remember Adam in the beginning, having listened to the serpent's voice. He had to say in Genesis 3 and verse 10, Lord, I heard thy voice in the garden and was afraid. He lost his joy in God through sinning against him. The sweet psalmist was robbed of his song by sin. In Psalm 51 and verse 12, he prayed, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Oh, he had not lost salvation, but through his sin, he had lost the joy of it. The disciples, when the Lord Jesus hung on the cross, the fear of man caused them to sin against the Lord. They forsook him and fled. Oh, it's true they escaped danger, but oh, how sad and miserable was their experience. A little later, Peter and John, with courage restored and renewed, even in their sufferings, they had a song. For we read in Acts 5 and verse 41 that Peter and John rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the Lord's name. The devil, in his perversion, would have us believe that sin equals happiness. What a twisting of the truth it is for the devil to suggest that holiness and happiness are divorced when all the while they are one. The kingdom of heaven, says the apostle Paul, is within you and it consists of righteousness, of peace and of joy in the Holy Ghost. Wisdom's ways are spoken of there in Proverbs 3, verses 17 and 18. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. O cleave unto the Lord, 
Follow holiness, and your happiness will flow out in song, and your strength will be maintained to work in the Lord's vineyard. We think of the arduous task that lay to hand in the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Nehemiah had a word for his own heart and for the people when he could say in Nehemiah 8 and verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, may the joy of the Lord be our strength here on earth day by day. It was said that Billy Sunday, the noted evangelist, the secret of his life was his joy in the Lord. He did say that if he was to be put in a barrel and rolled down the hill, it would not be a very endearing experience. You can imagine it. But if such a thing were to happen to him, if he was rolled down the hill, he would shout glory through the bunghole. The joy of the Lord was the strength of his life. When your heart is full of song, it will be full of zeal and strength. That's one of the characteristics of heaven, the song of the ransomed. But another characteristic of heaven is the sense of the Lord's presence there. Asaph, he put it like this in Psalm 73 and verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but thee? He knew that in the glory there is that most intimate and wonderful sense of the divine presence. It's the divine presence that makes the feast in the glory. In Revelation chapter 7 and the verse 15, we read of this. Therefore, the glorified, we're reading of them, Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them in the glory. The Lord is among his people. He is especially then in their midst. We know that Paul was torn between two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He desired that nearer presence. All in heaven do not see our Lord's back parts as Moses did in the wilderness. They do not see through a glass darkly but they look full in his wonderful face. They see the Lord as he is, and they are full of reverence and awe in his majestic presence. The Lord can say in the words of Jeremiah chapter 23 and 
verses 23 and 24. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. Although the Lord is omnipresent, so often we lose sight of this reality, as was the case with Job. Job said, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. He was so perplexed, so overrun with his sufferings and trials that he lost sight of the Lord's presence. We think of the experience of Elisha's young servant at Dothan. During the hours of darkness, the Syrians had surrounded the city. And in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verses 14 through to 17, we read of what happened. Therefore sent he hither, that is, the Syrians, they sent hither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. The young man had lost sight of the Lord's presence. Thou art near, said David. Thou art near, O Lord. He is not far from every one of his people. Never a trial that he is not there. Never a burden that he doth not bear. Never a sorrow that he doth not share. Moment by moment, I'm under his care. And where the Lord Jesus is, Tis heaven there. And what a check the presence of the Lord is on our unlawful desires. The child in the classroom, in the teacher's presence, will be as quiet as a mouse. But if the teacher should leave the classroom for a few moments, the child may well get up to mischief. And why is it that people sin without restraint and commit the most heinous of deeds? 
It's because there is no consciousness of the divine presence. Man asks, in, they ask in the words of Job chapter 22. Job chapter 22, verses 13 and 14. How doth God know? Can he judge through the dark cloud? Thick clouds are a covering to him that he seeth not. Oh, how foolish to think that God cannot see, that he doesn't know, or live as in the presence of God, conscious that his eye is ever observing the evil and the good. Like Hagar, say, Thou God seest me. His is the all-seeing eye. His is the all-abiding presence. But then another characteristic of heaven is service. In heaven, the people of God enter into rest. Rest from all the impediments that the flesh presents. Rest from all the attacks of the enemy of their souls. But there is no retirement in the glory. Revelation chapter 7 And verse 15 tells us of the glorified. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Again in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3, his servants shall serve him. Matthew Henry commenting, says they are happy in their employment, for they serve God continually, and that without weakness, drowsiness, or weariness. Heaven is a state of rest, but not of sloth. Oh, for days of heaven on earth, when we will give to the Lord unstinted, unwearied service. It has been said, your salvation is God's business. His service is your business. Oh, may we always be about the Father's business. The Lord said to Pharaoh, In Exodus chapter 8 and verse 1, let my people go. Why? That they may serve me. Liberated from Egyptian bondage to serve the Lord. And your liberation, your salvation is to this end, that you might go and serve the Lord. Paul, when his eyes were opened there on the Damascus road, instantly he asked, 
What wilt thou have me to do? He knew that there was much to do, and he wanted to put his shoulder to the wheel, his hand to the plow. When he introduced his letter to the believers at Rome, he referred to himself as Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Are you a servant striving to live to the Lord's glory? Seeking to spread around the influence of the gospel by your life and lip? Doing all that you can to bring others to the Lord Jesus in heaven None are idle. There's no time clock there. No clocking in day or night. They serve him day and night in glory. And so let us be up and doing. For the night is quickly coming. When no man can work. And lastly... In heaven, another characteristic of it is submission. How is the will of God done in heaven? Perfectly. We think of the model prayer there in Matthew 6 and verse 10. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God is on the throne in heaven and all the angels and the glorified, they do his will perfectly. It is recorded concerning the angels there in Psalm 103 and verses 20 and 21. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength that do his commandments, hearkening on to the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. The will of the Lord is done perfectly by the angelic hosts. In Revelation chapter 4 and Verse 10, we, we read about the elders around the throne. They are represent, representatives of the glorified. Revelation 4, verse 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. They're in complete submission. They have no quarrel either with the acts or with the providence of God. In verse 11 they say, Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Submissive to the divine purpose and will. Conversion is a taking of the Lord's yoke and it's a learning 
constantly of him and to learn the pupil must be teachable, must be submissive to what is being taught. Moses is laboring in this 11th chapter of Deuteronomy to bring the people under the divine scepter, to bring them to the place of complete submission to the Lord. Submission to the word. We see this in verse 18 of Deuteronomy 11. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. They were to treasure up the word in their innermost being, in their hearts and in their souls. We think of how dear and precious the word was to the heart and soul of the psalmist when he said that the law of the Lord is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb to my taste. Oh, may our hearts be submissive to the word. And the scriptures where we see also in verse 18 were to be on their hands. All their actions, their works were to be governed by the scriptures, guided by the law, the perfect law of the Lord. And furthermore, in verse 18, the word was to be as frontlets between their eyes. They were to be seeing everything, viewing everything through the lens of Scripture. We are to keep God's law as the apple of the eye. Proverbs 7 and verse 2 gives us that instruction. Proverbs 7 and verse 2. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. The apple of the eye is that most tender part of the most tender member of our physical frames. If a cloud of dust should blow up in the storm, what's the instant reaction to shield our eyes? And what care we must exercise to keep the word of the Lord just like the apple of the eye. David said, I esteem thy word to be right in all things. It was always before his eyes, guiding him. Therefore, he said, I hit every false way. And then we discover that the word was to be on their tongues. Verse 19. Ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Their tongues were to be conveying the word. When Moses and Elijah joined the Lord in the Mount of Transfiguration, the topic of conversation, what was it? We discover in Luke chapter 9 
and verses 30 and 31. Behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So we are discovering that the topic of conversation was the cross. It was Calvary, the Savior's atoning death. Oh, may we always have the speech seasoned with salt. And the word was to be in the whole house. The whole house was to be under submission, verse 20, to the word. May the Lord's will be done in us as it is in heaven. May may piety be shown first of all at home. May others be able to take knowledge that the word has the primary influence and place in our homes. Happy the souls to Jesus joined and saved by grace alone. Walking in all his ways they find their heaven on earth begun. This is to have days of heaven upon earth. But I wonder, as this service comes to a conclusion, is Christ in you? Are you in Christ? For you has heaven begun below. The door to heaven is the Lord Jesus. And without entering by Christ the open door, your soul is in danger of perishing. Oh, may you see to it that you have an an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. The days of this life are brief. They're like the falling of a leaf. They're like the binding of a sheaf. Oh, be in time. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. May it be true of you, Christ in me, the hope, the meaning is the guarantee of glory. Oh, if you're not a Christian, may you be altogether persuaded to be a Christian. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts. Let us bow together in prayer. Our loving eternal Father, how we thank thee for thy word for its instruction, for its correction, for its guidance. Lord, we pray that our souls will be nourished up in the word of the Lord so that we will be strong in thee and in the power of thy might. Help us, Lord, to be experiencing days of heaven in our personal lives on this earth. We pray that there will be the song. There will be that ready service 
for the master. There will be that constant sense that we live under thine all-seeing eye, that thou art omnipresent. And Lord, we pray that these hearts and souls of ours will ever and always be submissive to thy word. So, Lord, write thy word upon our hearts. And as thy people, as we gather around thy table, we pray that thou wilt reveal thyself in all the wonder of thy redeeming love and tender mercy to us who are undeserving, only deserving of wrath to come. O Lord, help us to see thee, the one whom our sins pierced. We ask it in the Savior's worthy name. Amen.